All right. Are we live? Am I live? Anybody know if I'm live? Hey, you know what? Either way, um, I'm just going to play the music. Take me all kinds of craziness happening today. You try to set up for a show, and next thing you know, they're dropping the, the start of the riots. I ended up calling out Tim Pool today on his show, sent him some money, said, hey, why don't you come debate me? I don't know. See what happens. Welcome to the adult table. If you're looking for the shorter video, you've clicked the wrong link. Head back to TikTok with the kids. Take me to 
right. Making sure this thing works. Can, can you hear me? Because I got a new computer all set up, so I'm hoping I had everything uh, up and going with the sound. Um, I've already started trying to figure out how to work the uh, OBS virtual cam, but I got that up and running. So, uh, as I said earlier, uh, this is the adult tables. Um, if you're looking for the shorter version of the show, you've clicked the wrong link. Uh, you'll have to go to the TikTok channel. We, uh, you can go to Sage News TikTok channel for the shorter version. There's absolutely no episode, so good luck with that. All right. Uh, that being said, um, I was just finished up watching Jack there. He was going to jump on here. He might swing in uh, and pop in, and I'll just grab his cam and then throw him in the uh, in the OBS thing, and we'll bring him up on screen too. But some of the stuff I wanted to cover obviously has changed uh, because, you know, right in the middle of the day, they d drop the landmark decision, Wade versus Roe. So this is something that obviously, you know, everybody on the planet's talking about. And the up-and-coming possible uh, peaceful protests, um, which are now peaceful protests, which usually end up breaking windows, smashing things, destroying cars in a peaceful manner. Um and that I guess that's that uh, defensive violence I've heard some other YouTubers talk about, um, which that was always a new one to me. Uh, defensive violence. Uh, maybe that's what it's actually called. That's good to know. So besides that, uh, we're just kind to no, I, I don't do TikTok. Um, like I said, that's why I'm sending all those people to my TikTok page because I don't have one. So that would make my life much simpler. I did get something. Somebody commented, said, hey, make your videos shorter. Uh, and I'm like, you know what? Make your attention span longer makes my life simpler. So I don't know that didn't go over well. Um, I think I lost a subscriber, but you know, stuff happens. Uh, all right. So let's start out with that. Basically, we'll kind of talk real quick about my version, my thought process on the uh, Wade versus Roe. I am for the decision. Uh, I'm for the decision. I believe that it was uh, a mistake and I believe it should go to the States. Um, so like I said, there's going to be people that disagree with me and people that don't, but nobody's saying you can't, uh, get one. There's, there's a lot of stuff going on in the rhetoric in regards to people saying, Oh my God, it ends this, it ends this, it ends healthcare. Actually, let's listen to, uh, uh, oh, I might've missed it. Uh, the big change that she said, did, did I save it? I did save it. Let's bring this over. Actually, let's throw this on this screen here. Get up here for a second. And uh, let me turn off my cameras that I was watching all you about. I can see you right there, uh, Miss Pris, right there in that mall. I can see you shopping. I have to notify your husband of that. All right. So let's go ahead and play this. And hang on. Stop. All right. So here's what that decision means. That's what it means. For nearly 50 years, uh -huh. we have talked about what Roe v. Wade protects. Today, as of right now, as of this minute, Have you, uh... we can only talk about what Roe v. Wade protected. Past tense. This is a healthcare crisis. Because understand, millions of women in America will go to bed tonight uh -huh without access to the health care and reproductive care that they had this morning. Yeah, uh, not so true. 
not so true. Uh, lots of them will wake up and still have that. You're still going to be able to get your health care. You're still going to be able to get all that stuff. It doesn't mean Roe v. Wade does not mean you lose your health insurance or any of that stuff. What it does mean is it establishes that, hey, uh, this decision goes to the state in which you live in. All right. And, and I'll explain why that's kind of important. So as it goes back to the state in which you live in, what that allows you to do now, it also gives you the right to have more control over decisions like that through the um, voting process. So let's say you live in a state and that's not the general port portion of the state says we don't agree with the statement. You can now vote the people out that maybe disagree or don't uh, their stance on that. So it actually gives you power in your state to basically vote people in, vote people out in regards to making laws like that. But what it does do is doesn't make it a constitutional right. And it kicks it back to state level. And we are the United States of America, uh, which means that the state rights is kind of important. That's really important information. So, that's kind of some of the stuff that we we have. Hey, uh, Jack, backstage, can you shoot me your OBS cam in the private chat? You got it. All right. So I've got Jack backstage here real quick. I'm going to bring his camera and bring him on so we can talk energy. But I want to jump on this and, and talk about this real quick because I played my music. And that way, anybody that wanted to leave had a chance to leave. Right, Jack? We can kick him out right there. My... <laughs> Yeah, that was a conversation so, uh, that I had. I actually like uh, the music plays. Less people kind of come in and, and things like that. So, But I'm going to bring Jack on, and we're going to talk a little bit about um, some of the energy stuff. Oh, let me turn off that noise because we don't need to hear that. And then I'll talk into the other one. While I have Jack here, I'm going to grab his cam, and we're going to bring him in once he sends that to me. And I'll just grab hey, him. I'm going to reply to your email with the Oh, with, with the camera. Cam. Oh, well, that's good because I just closed my email. That's good. All right. Let me open up the email real quick and I'm going to grab his cam and I'm going to bring him in. He, uh, we were going to do a, a redirect, but of course I did not know I had to set him up as a redirect. I thought he did it on his end. So that was messed up, but we'll get it. We got it down now. He's all set up now. All right. Let me grab this cam here. Let me do this real quick here and put you in as a browser. Yeah, that's you. And we're going to get rid of that. We're going to go like this. And we're going to hit this. All right. Make sure right. you mute your sound. Oh, boy. No, no, not that one. Mute it on uh, OBS Ninja. All right. How about now? Yeah, you're good. All right. All right. So let me uh, get this out of the way here because we don't need this anymore. And let me do this here. Make sure you take the poll because I want to see how many people actually want uh, currency to be made with something magical. Actually, that was one of my my poll questions. Jack, you, you didn't probably take the poll, right? Did you even watch I my video? I'm, I'm sitting here wondering what a Sage New sub count back currency would look like. Yeah, it's going to be based on my sub count. So I thought that was uh, a best way to do currency. So the more sub count I get, you know, I offer like coins or things like that. Um, a little sort of, quantitative easing on my own subscriber count while we're yeah, on yeah, sort of like a yeah, sort of like a sage coin, basically Bitcoin, crypto, sage currency, crypto melon money, melon money, uh, yeah, stuff like that. So, all right, so I got you in here, and I got that pulled down here. All right, we've got some stuff I pulled up. So I asked you earlier, did you end up looking it up, or did you cheat on me? No, I didn't. All right, perfect. All right, so I played this on my last video. 
And I'm going to play this a little again, a little bit here. Uh, if anybody doesn't know, this was the uh, energy and managing energy basically seminar here. So rebuilding energy security, the role of U.S. oil and gas. And this is Tom, uh, Toby Rice. I'm trying to get him on the show. So if you guys can find him, I'm actually going to put a link for his Twitter. I want everyone to tweet him and say, hey, go on Sage's show. All right. Um, and let's We've done work looking at the entire resource base in the United States. And we believe that we have the resource to grow production over 50 BCF a day for LNG exports. That would be a fourfold increase in what we're already doing today in LNG exports. And if we can do that, then it will have the environmental impact equivalent to electrifying every vehicle in the country, putting solar in every house in America, and also doubling U.S. wind capacity. That's 54,000 windmills combined. It's absolutely massive. There's nothing bigger. That's why we call Unleashing U.S. LNG the biggest green initiative on the planet. But think about this world that we're, we'll, we will be in. When we unleash U.S. LNG, we will find ourselves in a place where we have 50% surplus natural gas flowing through the pipelines of America. And that surplus is going to bring an unprecedented amount of energy security to the citizens, of, uh, uh, to, to Americans. You know, right now when the administration is for us to respond to a price signal in shale. All right. So real quick, Jack. Uh, you're in the energy field. You're in actually nuclear. Uh, you did stuff. You so you pretty much know energy. So in regards to wind and solar power, I want everybody to pay attention to this. In regards to wind and solar power, we don't. It, it don't work real well, right? It's it's like nope. subsidizing electricity with a battery backup, right? You can kind of you still want that electricity, but in case the power goes out, you got a nice little backup there, right? It does, but it can't. It's not very good. So the best way to to make wind and solar work is what? Natural gas. Natural gas. All right. So now, so why do you think if, if I was a, if I was looking to take over the world and I did this a little bit in the video, but I want to break it down even more. If I was looking to take over the world, you do, you take over the world with energy, right? If you can control the energy, you make lives better. Um, even Mao knew that when, when he started to take over and do his thing, he didn't, he brought over a steel factory from, Japan, but he didn't have the power. He knew he had to have power, energy, 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 energy. So why in the heck would anybody want to go and build nothing but wind and solar when we know it doesn't work? Because it pulls well. Does it? Pulls really well. Oh, are you kidding me? Half. I, I don't. I don't want to be too insulting here, but mm -hmm. you know, there's George Carlin has a, a great comedy bit, and he says, "Imagine how stupid the average person is." Mm -hmm. and then realize half the people are dumber than that All okay right, so that's <laughs> so let's I'm try not to insult everybody here um but it's i feel it's stupidity. you can't you can't solve the math and solar has this one technical flaw that apparently scientists are working really hard on it yeah and it's called night yeah and we don't have a solution for it you Cloud. can figure out how to make that solar panel make power at night yeah okay all right. So so you think that they're putting in millions and millions and billions of dollars in various countries and they're putting up windmills and they're putting up solar panels and they're doing all this just to get better poles. In other oh, countries, so in too? other countries. Yeah. Building them in other countries. Well, they're building yeah. here and in other countries. Right. Yeah. So well, I don't it pulls well. It's convincing people that they're trying to, to save the environment. But. It doesn't I, don't, make sense. I, don't even, I don't even know where to start. First, what he just said, let me, something that he just said just made me want to shout, gag me when he's talking about how LNG is this massively green initiative. All right. First of all, like I'm heavily in favor of liquefied natural gas. I think it's great for the U.S. to be an energy exporter. 
But to call it green, you know, to the, the way that you liquefy natural gas, you have to super cool it. You have to chill it to like many, many negative degrees Celsius, right? right? You have to use liquid nitrogen. You have to run these big energy consuming compressors, right? So mm-hmm. to get that energy from our pipelines onto a boat and over to Europe, it takes a crap load of energy. Right. That energy is not used to generate any electrons in a power grid. It's used just to cool the, the other gas to get it onto the boat. And then you have to burn more energy to ship it across the ocean. To call that green, gag me, dude. That's no way. I mean, that is so energy intensive. Mm-hmm. The only reason it's profitable is because the Europeans are such idiots when it comes to their energy policy that they've made it profitable to spend that much energy to chill natural gas and then spend all that energy to move it across the freaking ocean and then heat it back up and put it into their pipeline. You their policy is so bad that that's a profitable venture. All they have to do is let their nuclear plants keep operating and they'll be fine. But no, we can't do that because there was a tsunami in Japan. You can't. Well, you can't. And you can't do that with solar. And you can't no. notify all that with solar power. Oh, you could try to run a solar powered LNG plant. You're not going to get very far. And you could try a solar-powered LNG tanker that sails across the ocean on solar. It's not going to get very far. So, all right. So here's the problem. So basically then we have an issue, right? We have an issue because nuclear power isn't safe, allegedly. And oil's bad. So natural gas. They seem to be pushing natural gas solar. Now, so the only way that solar and wind works is natural gas. Yep. Who produces the most natural gas? That's interesting. All right, so let's go. Let's kind of let's beat this up a little bit. Right now, uh, we have what's called the alleged petrodollar. Alleged, right? I can turn that off. Sorry. Uh, the petrodollar is based on oil, and our dollar, all U.S. oil, is traded in the U.S. dollars. Um, that's what we were shooting for. That's what the petrodollar was. We came off the gold standard because gold was too easily manipulated. Too many people could control it, and and things like that. We went to the oil, and we went to them and said, "Look, only do it in oil." Well, oil's now kind of they're they're hinting at being able to trade it with other with other dollars and things like that. So, if you were going to have a currency and you were going to make sure that your currency was protected, and you still wanted to be the world currency, and energy was the way to go, would you want to pick a an energy that was made in your country rather than outsourced, hoping that other country wouldn't backdoor you? You're talking about the LNG dollar, pretty much, is what you're describing. About the LNG dollar. So uh, the LNG, because we produce now. Who else produces it? Well, a couple things. Because you even Butter, mentioned Australia. Yes, yeah, so we've got Russia and second, and they are now pulling away from Russia's natural gas. Right. Well, beat- keep in mind, if it's LNG, Russia. Yeah, you know, th- this is what you're showing on this chart. This is natural gas producing countries. When it comes to the LNG market, it's really the U.S and Qatar, and somewhat Australia. That's pretty much the LNG market, is those three countries. LNG, correct. So and even just natural gas, you have Iran, China, Russia, us. And it, you combine Iran, China, and them, and they're just catching us, right? So now you got to knock out China. So And, you know, what's China use for energy? China uses coal. So they'd have to – now, what's the problem with um, – Nuclear power. Well, the problem with nuclear power is once it's up and running, there's no drug. You don't need me anymore. 
You don't need me anymore. So if we create a power and energy that needs people to offset that power with natural gas, and we're the leading natural gas country, now the world's depending on us. And instead of having an oil-based dollar, you have a natural gas-based dollar. And you can now, how do you sell that? Well, other countries... As we move on further and further, more people are getting power. You're putting wind up here. You're putting wind up there. More countries. You're establishing um, other, you know, new countries and new places of business. Like I look at all these countries as places of business. I mean, if you can upgrade most of this place in Africa and everybody's you now got jobs in Africa and they're starting to, you know, put manufacturing there and ne- they're buying sneakers and all this other stuff. Well, power's a big seller there, right? So if you're putting up windmills and you say, well, if you're going to put up some type of power, you want to put up solar panels, you want to put up this. Solar panels are backed by the natural gas. So one of the things that we're doing at the new at the um, climate accord was we said coal's bad. Coal's very bad. It's dirty and it's bad. We all got to get away from coal. Biggest producer that uses coal, China. So that takes them out of the out of the dollar. Now, so. Is this a theory-ish type thing? Well, that's where this comes in. Uh, Henry Ford proposed an energy currency similar to Bitcoin 100 years ago. He basically consider, he basically came up with um, the thought it didn't have to just be Bitcoin. It was just a energy currency, right? So with the now also this also falls into um, agenda 2030, which is the alleged agenda, you know, 21 and all this other stuff. And some of the stuff that the agenda 30 calls for is, you know, no more, everybody's happy and go lucky and there's no more fighting and we're all going to be nice and happy and things like that. No more wars and stuff like that. Way back in 1921, let me see if I can read here. Way back in 1921, Henry Ford, American industrialist and founder of the Ford Motor Company proposed an energy currency that could form the basis of a new monetary system with striking similarities to peer-to-peer electronic cash system outlined in I can't pronounce the Japanese guy's maker of Bitcoin but Satoshi Nakamoto yeah that guy which I think that broke that down to uh, CIA if you were to translate that for Japanese uh, central if you if you took that and changed it into English it was central intelligence or something I've read that theory just so you know. Yeah, I, I, again, I don't know that one. But this one here, on December 4th, 1921, a New York Times Tribune published an article outlining Ford's vision of replacing gold with energy currency uh, that he believed could break the bank, banking elites grip on global wealth and put an end to, to wars. Uh, he intended to do this by building the world's greatest power plant and creating a new currency system based on power units. Now, the biggest push is for all of us to have solar panel and all of us to have wind or all of us to have this on our houses and our buildings and create the biggest, the world's biggest power plant, right? In theory, you'd be creating the world's biggest power plant by technically putting a power plant all over the world on top of houses, on top of buildings and fields and all this other stuff, right? So the biggest problem that we have is storage of this battery capacity, but we don't have a bank. You, we don't have a place to store the power. So money's not that good if you don't have a place to be able to save it and spend it when you need it, right? Which would be a battery. So right now, the only thing we're missing is any type of storage unit for having the world's largest energy currency. 
Now, would I go to gold? Would you go? Let me ask you this. If you were creating a new currency, government-wise, not the people-wise, would you go to a gold or silver-based currency? You asking my personal opinion, what I would do, or if I were trying to ensure my nefarious grip on power? You're nefar- you, you are now the nefarious power gripper of the world. Oh, I would, I would stick with fiat. I, I would flood the market with paper currency. Backed Absolutely. by nothing. Backed by nothing or backed by some type of energy that if you were a country, you'd want it to be backed on something you have a lot of, correct? Yeah. yeah. Which we have a lot of natural gas. But if we just go in and say, hey, we're going to base this on natural gas, people would be like, no, I don't, I don't think so. But if there's a reason for that natural gas, because solar and wind can't keep up, natural gas is filling that void, then you can still claim that and swap over from oil to natural gas and still keep the world currency. Now, and, and you know, while, while you're, you've been talking, look at the shift in the U.S. power grid over the last 20 years. We've yeah. lost nuclear. We've lost a lot of coal. We've lost a lot of hydroelectric. And we've built out a little bit of solar, a little bit of wind, and a lot of natural gas. That's what our energy mix has come to. And I went all the way. I'm going to drop this some some of these links in the um, thing so you guys can check this out. Now, even some of the stuff that I pulled here, and of course, like I said, remember uh, when I look at news, I don't just I try to get rid of the um, which way it leans and just at least read the information and figure out which way they're you know uh, which way they're trying to say me sway me. But is there information in there that's important, not the way they're trying to sway? All right, so uh, Chile. So basically, I read this. Oh, let me drop this one so people can read it because I'm a horrible reader. At least online, I am. I can't read out loud. All right, so Chile. Where's my mouse? Uh, is country of Chile is like? Uh, where is he? Nearly 22 percent of Chile's electrical comes from solar and wind energy production centers. Uh, that is the that is a higher percentage than the United States with 13 percent. The world average is 10%. In 2008, Chile was one of the first countries to declare a target of renewable energy. However, imported natural gas and fossil, a fossil fuel like coal or oil has continued because a favorable supply de- uh, deal won from the government. Uh, I, there's no way I'm going to get this name. Marcelo Mena, close enough, uh, is, the infor- infor- is a formal environmental minister for Chile. He leads Global Methane Hub, a nonprofit group aimed to reduce methane emissions around the world. Mena says natural gas is basically methane um, that actually hinders the power that we can deliver from renewable energy. Methane told the Associated Press it's been more than more of an opportunity towards 100% renewable energy. Mena said renewable energy is being pushed out of fossil fuel in northern Chile at the same time in, in the so- south of Chile. There is a big lack of natural gas for heating, and people are heating themselves with wood and choking on it. Uh, the transition. Let's see, Chile. Okay, um, the shock that led to the development of renewable energy in Chile came in the middle of 2000. At the time, Argentina greatly reduced gas exports to Chile to serve its own market. Chileans, I'm close enough, uh, had limited electricity power outages, uh, had electricity and power outages happen a lot. Chile received some of the most consistent sunshine in the world, especially in the northern academic desert. 
right? Close enough. Uh, some of the countries sought investment in solar and wind projects. Chile requires electricity companies to offer a minimum amount of renewable energy. Developers build hundreds of solar and wind plants. Uh, they also build systems that got energy from Earth's heat called geothermal plants. Uh, these energy centers were placed throughout the country, which stretched 43,000 kilometers to the north to the south. Now, they sound like they're doing it, right? They sound like they're on top of this. Oh, yeah. The government also invested in fossil fuel plants. Natural gas importers and owners of natural gas plants successfully argued that the power grid must take their electricity. They must take it. Natural gas is now being forced into Chile. Um, importers must pay for gas under international contracts, whether they need it or not. Now, didn't you tell me basically um, uh, under government regulations, they can declare electricity from gas imports forced gas. That means electricity producers from gas is favored in the power market, which also supports renewables. And it, it basically just goes on to say, look, you're not getting away from natural gas. Anytime you're putting up this uh, wind power geothermal, natural gas is being forced into that market. It's being pushed everywhere windmills are. So, look, there, there's so many things in this article that I have an issue with. So Fire many. Away. All right. First of all, when they talk about 17% of the capacity is wind, all right, that's total capacity. If you install a three-megawatt windmill, mm -hmm. the average time you're only going to get one megawatt out of it. Correct. Because wind doesn't blow consistently. Sometimes it doesn't blow at all. Sometimes it blows a little bit. Sometimes it blows too much and you have to put the brakes on the windmill. All right. So windmills only produce one third of their nameplate capacity on average. Solar mm -hmm. panels are even worse. 20%. Right. And think about it. Half the time it's night, no solar power at night. And then even the other half of the time during the day, you have cloudy days where you don't get that much solar power. And then you have the early morning hours. The sun is low at a low angle in the sky, it's not directly overhead of your solar panels. And then in the evening hours, it's low in the sky again. So solar panels, only about 20% of their capacity. So renewable advocates just love to preach nameplate capacity because they never talk about how much power they actually produce, which is only a small fraction of what they advertise. That's why wind and solar must have natural gas, they say as a backup. But if you're reliant on your backup 80% of the time, it's not your backup, you're the backup. All right. So that's my first issue. The other thing he talked about how Chile has the most consistent sunshine in the world. Have you ever seen Chile on a map? It's, it's like a pencil that stretches the whole length of the Southern hemisphere. I'm sure up in the Northern parts of Chile, where they're close to the equator, they get great sunshine, but down in the South, they don't. And that's like two thirds of the country. So, so that statement was just on its head. Ridiculous. Yeah, but there's flat. So it probably gets the most oh, yeah. sun. Uh, that, that makes sense. Just, all right. Thank you for straightening that. The other thing, the forced gas thing. All right. That's that's part of normal gas contracts. All right. When you hedge, when you lock in gasoline futures, you have to buy way out. Right. You're buying out two years. You're saying I'm, I'm going to take so many billion cubic feet of natural gas for the next three years. All right. And the people who produce that, they hold you to your word when you sign those contracts and you hold them to the price that they quote you. Mm -hmm. So those are usually referred to as take or pay contracts where you're going to pay no matter what, whether you take the gas or not. It's not forced gas. It's just how energy markets operate. It's it's not like there's this big bully in the room forcing you to take my gas. 
If they didn't sign those take or pay contracts, they would have no gas. And then when the sun goes down and the wind doesn't blow, they have no power. Right. Oh, absolutely. But my, but my, the, the, like I said, this is where I kind of feed the information. Everybody seems to be taking natural gas where they have wind and solar. Yeah, because wind right? and solar cannot support a grid without natural gas. Correct. So, every installed megawatt of wind and solar is 70 to 80 percent natural gas. So if I want, like again, and this is where basically I, where it comes in, if I was going to try to create a world, uh, a new currency, which we've, we've all, they've all basically established where they said, look, we can't do it on oil. We can't do it on this. That's dirty. This isn't something that, you know, we can do. I'm telling you, they're going to push for a natural gas currency. A currency based on natural gas because we have control of it. We're the reserve currency. And in my opinion, this is where we're also in a boondoggle uh, conflict slash uh, special military operation war with basically Russia over Ukraine because they're hitting points for us, which would be our, our financial market inflation and food because if we're a food supplier, Obviously, if the world goes hungry, they're going to look to us to provide food, right? And we're not going to have to shipping food out. I just think before they go to, because everybody's saying they're going to go to gold, they're going to go to silver, they're going to go to silver. I don't see them going to gold and silver. I see if there's going to be a, a shift in a world currency, it's going to be based on natural gas. And that's the push to have something that we all know doesn't work. Everyone knows it doesn't work. It won't work. The, and this is where, like I said, Hen the Henry Ford's logic of having a currency, a currency, uh, an energy currency based on something we can control is the route they're going to go. Yeah, Am I not? You know, you, you're mentioning how it, it would be LNG, right? If it, if it was just straight up natural gas, then Russia and China would actually have a lot of power because they actually produce a lot. They Russia exports it, but through pipelines. Well, we've managed to take that off the market, haven't we? We sure have. Now, the main competitor left for the U.S. is Qatar. Qatar mm -hmm. produces something like 40% of the world's LNG. I think they're the biggest LNG exporter. They're just bigger than the U.S. Well, Qatar ships all of their LNG through the Persian Gulf, through the Strait of Hormuz, which means they go right past the Iranians. Correct. And something I've been describing on my channel, which would be the worst possible economic situation in the world, short of like nuclear war, would be if the Iranians were to shut down the Strait of Hormuz with some combination of mines, anti-ship missiles and drones. It, it wouldn't be as, as big of a cakewalk for our Navy as a lot of people think. I think they would actually be pretty effective in doing that. That would take all of the Qatari LNG off of the natural gas market as well as choking off one quarter of the world's oil, which flows through the Strait of Hormuz also. So that would be absolutely catastrophic for global energy markets, both oil and gas. It would make American LNG that much more profitable and Australian, but I don't right. think the Australians export as much as we do. Um, and, so, and that would just, that would be like the final nail in the coffin for Europe because then Europe would be hopeless. They wouldn't, they'd freeze through winter. Even so with, the Qataris LNG, Europe would struggle to fill their tanks before this winter. So uh, riddle me this, Batman. So let's say if right now, if we were to say we're going to switch to a, I'm calling it natural gas, but you know, LNG, let's just, you know, all right, let's just say that. We would switch to that. And 
they're pulling off of Russian gas, basically. And we're switching it to an art. Is it beneficial for us and for them if that were to happen? If we were to basically start to ship ours and ours would become the reserve, is it beneficial for them to now start receiving our natural gas? No. Beneficial for us, immensely profitable for us. But for Europe, it would be way more expensive. LNG is far more expensive than pipeline gas. Okay. So at that point... We are basically controlling that because it's the same thing with oil over there, right? With them controlling oil, it's way more expensive. Pipeline over there, it's cheaper for them to get oil, but it's more expensive for us to get oil. But that shift would now be it's more benefit for us to get natural gas and a little bit more expensive for them. Yep. Right? And Europe is scrambling to build LNG import capacity right now. They're, they're gearing up to buy more LNG from us. Correct. So they're gearing up for it. We're gearing up for it because I even when we talked to Chris, they, they, what's going on? He's like, I don't know what the heck's going on in natural gas, but we're welding like there's no tomorrow. We're fixing this. We're fixing that. We're running these things for natural gas. Um, you now have, you know, the Obamas, which everybody's like, oh, look, they're prepping. They bought a, you know, a huge natural gas tank and they're putting it, you know, in their backyard. Well, that may be if natural gas is going to be technically swapping over to be what, the currency, what everything's now traded in is natural gas or LNG. You know what I mean? Is, right. Didn't you uh, talk about banning fracking for years, about how awful it was, and now he's putting a big natural gas tank in his house? Correct. Correct. Not a solar panel, huh? A natural Not a gas solar thing. Thing. Natural gas thing. Natural gas. So, and even in the, this thing here, it says that, okay, and it goes through like, okay, energy is the largest component of the United States. Uh, for example, in the 1970s to 2006, uh, energy consumed the average of 9% GDP. In 2008, the primary source of energy consumed, of course, was petroleum, oil. Natural gas was second. Coal was third. Uh, nuclear was the last at eighth. Uh, petroleum is used to produce things like gasoline, diesel, fuel, and consumed primary by the transportation sector. Uh, very little petroleum is used in generation of electricity. I, you know, for for obviously not for power for vehicles and ships and stuff like that, but actual yeah. electricity. Uh, the United States is heavily dependent on foreign imports of petroleum. Uh, and in 2008, 338 billion worth of petroleum from primary prim uh, Canada, Saudi Arabia, Mexico, Nigeria and Venezuela. Well, at that time, we got our oil. Um, natural gas has various uh, industrial and residential uses and is also used for electricity generation, uh, accounting for 20% of all electricity generated in the United States and does not currently rely heavy on foreign imports. And so fertilizer it, production also. And, and fertilizer production. Um, coal, obviously, is the messiest. We're not going to go with coal because that's also one of China's main focuses. So if we want to make sure that we maintain our uh, world dominance, we have to make sure we're not doing something that will help China. So coal would help China. My camera cutting out. Let me swap over here. Um, and then, of course, nuclear power is something that, you know, once you have a nuclear power plant, you don't need anybody else. Once it's in and running, you're kind of self-sufficient, correct? Besides water well, to cool you still need uranium, um, but with, with nuclear, most of the cost of nuclear is operating and maintenance costs, not fuel-related costs. So yeah, you nuclear have is not as prone to fuel supply woes. Right. Do you continuously need uranium as it goes? Every, about every two years. The, the reactors in the United States, every two years they shut down and they replace about a third of the fuel rods in the reactor. Okay. That I didn't know. So some of the, like I said, so some of the stuff that he, they, they talk about in here in this article, which I can drop this one too, um, is the fact that if you were going to go do it, 
natural gas would be one of the things that you would, you know, go. And that seems to be what we're pushing for. So to me, the only logic, because there is no other logic. Um, and, and even when I go through the, all this agenda 30, of course the phone rings, even when I go through all this agenda 30, um, it is basically all natural gas pushing energy, saving renewable energy, all this stuff is pushing towards natural gas. I just think that they're not pushing towards what everybody believes is going to be a gold uh, back currency. Again, I believe it's going to be a natural gas bank. And that's the only reasoning why to me, I can process in my head why one we're building everything in solar and wind when we know it doesn't work because natural gas does Two, they right now oil is going to be, you know, eventually sold in other dollars, other currencies. Um, And if you wanted to have a new currency, what are you going to base that on? Well, I don't think you can just base it on nothing because then there's no end to, you know, what money that can be printed, right? And there has to be some type of control on it. So but it is you, know, you mentioned a couple of things. You, you, you mentioned the backing of the currency. Um, so there's, there's, we're kind of talking about two different things here. Right now, the, the U.S. currency is not backed by anything other than, I'll try to keep a straight face, faith and trust. In the United States government, correct. Right? That's what's backing the currency. Now we are on the petrodollar system, at least That's for the I mean. time being. Where, when we went off of the gold standard, when the dollar was no longer backed by gold in 1971, that happened. Uh, it became this free-floating fiat currency. Now, in order to project the strength of the dollar, we cut this deal with the Saudis in exchange for military protection that all oil trade would take place in dollars. So the currency now is not necessarily backed by oil, but because the U.S. uses its military to ensure all oil trade is conducted in dollars, it forces other countries to use the dollar and it forces other countries to buy the dollar. So that keeps that kind of forces the rest of the world almost at gunpoint to use our currency. Now, we're slowly losing that, especially since this war started in Ukraine. Other countries are starting to trade for oil in other currencies, in the ruble and the rupee, you know, all these other currencies. So this is an interesting theory. I can see where you're going to that, where we're trying to head kind of hedge the petrodollar by instituting the LNG dollar. Correct. Where we're kind of forcing global gas trade to happen in dollars as a way to offset the loss of petrodollar. Right. People don't need to hold dollars as much as they did a year ago now. But now if there's more LNG trade happening, well, now people have to hold dollars for that. If we can get if we can force the world to operate on dollars for the LNG trade. Correct. It's not necessarily a backing. Right. Your your dollars not redeemable at some bank for natural gas. But because natural gas trade would be happening in dollars, it would force everybody to hold those dollars. And that would strengthen the currency. Correct. Basically, how having that natural gas trade rather than allowing it to be swapped over to the petrodollar because the petrodollar we don't have enough control over. Right, right we, now, say say I'm in England, right, and I want to buy oil. Mm-hmm. First, I need to trade pounds for dollars, and then I can trade dollars for oil. Correct. That that strengthens the dollar by forcing that conversion first. Almost everybody in the world first they got to go to dollars, and then they can buy their oil. Correct. So you know what you're saying is we're going to start doing that with LNG now. That's interesting. Yeah. And, and this is where, like I said, I look at two and in, in, in regards to something like this is 
when I look at gold and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm just this is me doing, you know, Einstein used to just throw a bunch of stuff in his head and just pound stuff off for hours. And I walk around talking to myself all the time. My wife thinks I'm nuts. I'm a little nuts. I ain't gonna lie. Uh, but one of the things I bounce off is gold and silver back when right, original money was, you know, salt, right? You worth your weight in salt, right? Stuff like that. Rice, or, you know, things like that. The origin uh, of the term salary. That's correct. The salt you were paid, the Roman soldiers. Yeah. Um, so and then it turned into like gold and silver. But gold and silver is kind of what the kings wanted. They wanted that for jewelry. They wanted to make their their um, their robes out of it. And, you know, uh, gems were jewelry and things like that. So that's something that was a what I consider to be rich people's money, because the only people that technically really, really wanted that eventually down the road was people that could use it you know, like the Kings, right? So obviously countries don't want that. They don't want people trading rice for beans or, you know, that the people's money where I see Bitcoin as the people's money. I can now trade this coin for that object and you, or you can give me that coin for my object, right? I want a pizza and you, I want two Bitcoins and you, I say, here's your two Bitcoins and you give me a pizza. It's forty thousand dollar pizza. All right. Either way, you or you know, when Bitcoin was cheaper, I think because the first Bitcoin was actually used to buy pizza. I, that's yeah. why. I did that. Okay. So, in regards to that, I kind of look at that as the peasants' money, right? Because it's not really truly based on on the king. So, if I'm a world or I'm a country and I'm looking for world dominancy, I don't want the peasants to be able to have a, their own little currency. I actually want the king's money, something that you can't obtain, per se, without me. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Okay. If you control the money, you control the power. And, you know, why did the U.S. go off the gold standard? You know, the biggest export of the United States for the last 50 years since we went off the gold standard has been dollars, been inflation. That's what we've exported. Correct. By by forcing all the world to use our currency, we have given ourselves immense power because now we can print dollars whenever we want. And when you print dollars, you don't create any value. You just steal value from existing dollars. Well, when you have forced the whole world to hold dollars and you're the only one who can print them, that means you can steal their value anytime you want by Correct. printing dollars. All these countries that have been forced to hold dollars to buy oil. We've been screwing them, ripping them off for decades. Who mm -hmm. bailed out America's banks in 2008? It was not the Federal Reserve. It was everybody in the world who was holding yeah. dollars bailed out our banks because they printed that money. They took that value from all those countries outside the states, and we gave that value to our banks to bail out our financial system. 100%. And this is where I am not a financial advisor. Neither of us are, nor do we play one on TV nor YouTube. But. Uh, one of the things that for me, and, and I have a difficult time processing information, processing this, and I've gone over this a million times, is because of that, and, and I, I'm going to say this straight up, and it's going to piss some people off, but deal with it. When it comes to an end of the dollar, and, and I, we've talked about this before, if the dollar were to go bye-bye tomorrow, you woke up tomorrow, and the dollar was gone, right? Worth 10 cents, okay, or worth something like that, that would cause... Massive, massive, massive chaos everywhere, everywhere, Absolutely. everywhere. Now, and I, and, and I, I, again, I've talked about this before in regards to silver and and um, 
gold. And even I, Chris, it's funny too because we, I, you know, I'm a debater. I'm going to so still. Chris put out there says, "Hey, anybody that can explain how if the, the, how silver's not worth any money in the Thunderdome, I want to explain." All right. So you can bail if you want if you don't want to catch any fire for this. Just so you know. Oh, go ahead. All right. I so got your back, Chris. All right. He's got his back. So looking out for the little guy. Yeah. So basically, <laughs> what happens is. Tomorrow, there's no money. It's gone. It's not worth anything. Wood, silver. Now, I do feel that gold and silver is something that you should invest in long term, that you could basically take $20 today and it could be worth $100 in 10 years, something like that, or five, you know, whatever time frame you give it to your kids into that aspect. But if tomorrow the money was gone, silver is not going to be worth anything. Food medicine, those type of things would be. If somebody came to my house and said, hey, I see you have uh, some meat. I'd like to trade you something for that, for that meat. And I said, okay, what do you got? And you said, I have these two pieces of silver. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm probably going to take your silver, uh, pew pew in a game, take your body, drag it to the woods, leave it for the coyotes, wait for the coyotes to come, use them for meat after I take care of them, and go ahead and eat uh, probably for another couple days. Because the silver in which you have only works in a when there is a society based able to receive it and use it. Does that make sense? None whatsoever. None whatsoever. Perfect. Okay. Now, look, I, I am I'm with you in that it will be chaotic because silver is not easily transactable. Correct. All right. Like that that one ounce silver round. I I usually keep one right here. I don't have it with me. Okay. Uh, that one ounce silver round. It's, it's hard to break it in half and make change, right? Sure is. Right. So right now when we trade in dollars, it's it's easy because it's trustless. We all know what a dollar is worth because Correct. we transact in it every day. Silver is a little different. Yeah. And we haven't transacted in precious metals as a society for hundreds of years. It okay. used to work that way. It used to work that way. You were given, you know, silver was poor man's gold. And that was how everything transacted for thousands of years. That's how it did. Governments dealt in gold. Hang on. Individuals dealt in silver. Hang on. In a society based, when you have a, a structured society, that is true. If yep. the dollar collapses, it's the walking dead. All right. So if we're in the walking dead scenario, absolutely. Right. Now, okay. now you're talking, I would still value gold and silver, but I would also value lead probably yes. more than that. Right. And, you know, like you just mentioned, your pew pew, take my silver and leave me for the coyotes. Correct. Thanks. Right back at you, buddy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, now, you view the coyotes. Let me, let me just tell you this scenario. All right. And far more likely of a scenario is not that we wake up and all the money is gone. Because that's what some people think, though. You know that, right? It could happen. Yeah. But far more likely is that we wake up and all the money has come back home. Now, what I just described to you is when we were talking about the petrodollar, right? How we forced all the world to hold the dollars in order to trade in oil. Mm -hmm. Now that has started to ebb a little bit. Now countries are doing oil deals in rupees and in yuan and in rubles. All right. So the reason the dollar has the strength it has right now is because there are dollars everywhere. There's demand for dollars all over the place. And money is money is a lot like electricity. It's always seeking the ground, you know, electricity, the path of least resistance. Money always gravitates towards where it has value. And sure. If the oil trade, if the petrodollar goes away, if if world oil starts trading in currencies other than the dollar, then those dollars are naturally going to start flowing back into the U.S. 
because mm-hmm. that's where they're going to have value. Not as much that guy in the UK. He doesn't need to hold dollars anymore. He can trade his pounds directly for oil or he could buy rubles or yuan first. Probably wouldn't do that. But right. So now the money is coming back home. All right. Now that's far more. So that is far more likely and every bit as catastrophic as your scenario, as there's no money, because now all those dollars that we've printed over the years and Mm -hmm. we've exported, it's all coming home. All that inflation that we exported, all that value that we stole from all those other countries. Now all those dollars are here, but they haven't bought any of their value with them. And those dollars are all chasing goods and services here in the States. And when there's more dollars, but no more goods and services, that's prices going higher. That's hyperinflation. Now that is very likely to happen in the next few decades. And if that happens, that gold and silver, that silver round that Chris is telling you about, you want to be holding that when that happens. Okay. Because now you can go to the coin shop and trade that for whatever it's worth in dollars at that moment. As the dollar's losing value, your metal is preserving it. Okay. So quick question. All right. That happens. All this money comes back. Um, I go to the coin store. What is my silver dollar based on? Like, how, what, what's it worth? Like, how does how does he establish what this is worth? Well, the spot market. What spot market? You know, again, we're st- we're not in we're not dealing with the Walking Dead right now. We're yeah. dealing with all the dollars have come back, right? And if all the dollars come back, then the price of silver, as measured in dollars, will start to skyrocket. But if your dollar is worth nothing. So that price of silver is now based on what, though? Is it based on the yen? That's that's a good point. You haven't gained any value. You've only preserved value, right? So, you know, say one ounce of silver is worth, like Chris likes to use the analogy of a laying hen, a chicken that lays an egg a day, right? Yeah. One ounce of silver for that. If the value of the dollar goes to near zero, or if, if the dollar starts to hyperinflate, I can still take my one ounce silver coin, take it to the coin shop and get enough dollars to go buy that same hen. Now, that may be $1,000. It may be $10,000. It's still only one laying hen. It hasn't gone up in value. It's gone up in dollars. You haven't made any money. You have preserved wealth. Gotcha. That's that's the difference. You don't get rich holding physical metal. You only preserve the wealth. So quick question. Quick question. So when you go to the coin shop, because all coin shops are definitely going to be up in the up and up. And nobody's going to say, well, you know, that's even though you say this is worth $20, I'll give you $1 for it. I'll go to the next guy. I, Most, I, a, a good coin shop will pay you spot. A, a good You're going to pay over spot to buy it. So you are going to take a haircut. That, that's how the silver dealers make money. And you're going to pay shipping right. costs and, and all that other stuff. So, I mean, it's not, you're, not 100% preservation. You're okay. So all this money comes back, right? So now let's, let me ask you a question. All this money comes back and I have an employer paying me $15 an hour, right? Let's just say I, normally I'm getting paid $15 an hour. What does that happen? Does that mean that that money's really not worth much because I, there's no need for me to work? That means if the employer wants to keep you, yeah. he's going to have to pay you more. But what if he can't afford more because it took, he's not making, you know what I mean? So everything kind of, How's that work? Are you going to keep working for enough money to not even buy a gallon of gas to get to work? That's what, okay. So basically, that's when people leave the workforce. If, oh, if so, the wages, and coincidentally, that's kind of what we have right now, right? We have right. great resignation, people quitting their jobs because wages aren't going up as fast as inflation is. 
Yeah. So basically, if it, if it but if tomorrow it all comes back, that's going to be super, super high. Right. So you're going to have a lot of people not working like police officers. Oh, I mean, you're you're talking majorly, majorly oh. economic contraction. Absolutely. Absolutely. They're not going to go do their job and get well, shot. The government's going to give themselves a raise. The, the cops will be the last ones laid off because the government is always the first ones to give themselves a raise. Right. Also, so- coincidentally, in inflation, the government gets a raise because I don't have my silver. So I'm going to hold up a poker tip here, right? Excellent. Say this is silver and I go and I sell it and it hasn't gone up in value, but it has gone up in dollars, right? Remember, I can still only get a chicken for it. But now the chicken costs a thousand dollars, even though I only paid twenty for this. Right? Gotcha. Well, technically, I have nine hundred and eighty dollars worth of capital gains, and that's taxable. So the government is entitled to roughly twenty percent of that nine hundred and eighty dollars in capital gains, aren't they? So that's the government is financially incentivized to create inflation because they get a raise. It drives up asset values, and they take their slice every time. So when that, so you're 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 hoping that the coin shop will give you a fair rate, even though they don't have to, because you need the money, you're hungry, you need to buy food. They don't have to. There's there's no leverage point there. And most likely you're going to have a lot of, I mean, who's going to, who's, what do you think? The government's going to give the coin shop? I mean, nobody is forced to give anybody a fair rate. Okay. The free market keeps them honest. You know, like that's, if they won't, if they won't give me a fair price, I'll go to somebody who will. And somebody is going to because somebody's going to want that silver. But at some point, that fair market has collapsed because the dollar in which you're basing everything on has collapsed. The dollar may have collapsed, but this, the Correct. concept of a free market of people transacting and making deals between individuals that the government doesn't set that the government doesn't control that the banks don't control right. that. Right. Every time you go to work every day. You're transacting with your boss. You're selling him your time, right? And if you don't like it and you can quit your job, you can refuse to make that transaction at any point you want. Now, it would suck because you lose your job. You'd have to go find something else. But maybe there's somebody else who's going to pay you more. I'm looking at this as a business aspect, right? As a business aspect, basically, if somebody were to come into my shop and I've got all the leverage because you need to sell me that silver, you're going to basically, I'm going to give you a price that's going to be extremely lowballed. Extreme. And, and, and welcome to the, welcome to the truck. Do I really need to sell it? That's, that's the point. Because demand, if, right? if you're now selling it, you probably need to sell it. If you're walking into my thing with that silver, I'm going to look at you as being, you need to sell this or you wouldn't have brought it here to me. Okay. Okay. And how so, does that silver shop make any money if he doesn't buy my silver and sell it to somebody else? Because you need, I don't, supply and demand. He needs it too, right? He doesn't make any money if he doesn't sell any silver. Most likely. He doesn't if, buy it. He doesn't have any to sell. Sure. Most likely. But it's still the leverage point is on you if you're bringing the silver in, in my opinion. Because if he's already, if he can afford to give you the money for the silver, he's already got, he's got to have some. Right. I mean, what, what you're describing is a supply demand imbalance. Correct. Right? You're, then, so you're. You're effectively describing a free market right now. If I need to sell it more than he needs to buy it, Correct. the price is going to go down. That's and a free you market. Think, and you think, and my opinion is, I don't think that coin guy, I don't think if the if all the dollars come crashing down and inflation kicks up, I, I kind of know from experience that basically you don't see good come out of people. 
you see people st- wanting to, to to grasp whatever they can, and you see more bad coming out of people. So what I don't I don't see you getting a fair deal from that coin shop if you're bringing silver in when you have to trade it for money, and I have money to give you for it. Well, let's just put it this way: if Hence, that were to happen, pawn if shop. You, if you really do that, and there's no other gain in town, yeah. no other game in town, you just created competition because I'll start my own coin shop and you, I will pay spot for it. If and you have money. within a couple of weeks, I'll be the only one in town with any silver to sell. If you have money. Because that guy who won't pay fair price, he's going to run out of inventory real fast. If you have oh, the I got money. money, I got silver. I'll sell my silver. So you're going to sell your silver to get silver? Yeah. I come into your, you see, you're selling you sell it for more than you buy it for. Like the dealers charge a premium. Point. You're not, right. you're not getting the point or you're just arguing the point. What I'm telling you is if this all comes crashing down. Yeah. The people that that people that have the power to be able to buy that silver, that have the money to be able to buy that silver to the people, you go to a pawn shop and they never say how much you want for it, a thousand, and they're never like, all right. Oh yeah, never. pawn shop. I mean, never, ever. I, listen, I can probably have to, they have to sell it from. They have to turn a profit, so they they always global. Absolutely. So when I, when a pawn shop that doesn't pay at least spot for their silver is not going to stay in business very long. I can tell you that. If as of today, if the world is as we know it, but if the world, all the dollars from all over every country come crashing down, the world as a nice place to live and people as nice people giving you proper pricing is not going to exist. Yeah. It's just not. But su- supply and demand is not dependent on people being nice or even polite. Well, that's what it's, I'm trying to it's say. It's a natural balance where supply meets demand. That's where price lands. That's a natural well, like two people who hate each other can still transact based on supply and demand. Correct. But what I'm saying, okay, let me put it to you this way. Let me explain it to you this way. Right now in, in the world of brokering, and you can ask any truck driver this, any truck driver will understand exactly what I'm talking about. When the broker has the leverage, they always lowball the truck. Always lowball the truck because the broker has the leverage. When the truck has the leverage, they get the price they want. So what I'm trying to explain to you is if the, all the money comes crashing down, the broker has the leverage. You're going to get so low. What gives the broker the leverage and what gives the truck the leverage? What, what would make that change? What the supply and demand does. Yeah. So if the mm-hmm. broker has the leverage and the truck is getting a less, a lower value, that means there's more trucks than there is demand for it. So the price is dropping again. It's not that Correct. is, the free market operating it sucks for the trucker but that's supply and demand right and if it stays that way for long guys are going to park their truck and go do something else now you've got fewer truckers the market is correcting that imbalance oh okay so you're basing it on people that if they're not going if they're selling their silver they're probably in dire need or they would keep it yeah okay and if they're not getting a fair price they'll go to somebody who will give a fair price and if there is nobody in town that's willing to offer a fair price for silver, yes. I'll offer a fair price. And before too long, I'll be the only game in town. If they can, no, I'll be the one people are selling their silver, their silver to. If they can find you, I, yeah. it, listen. Most people if you don't come to me and leave me for the coyotes. If this if this world goes to that, most people are not going to go from from store to store to store to try to sell their silver. Right? They're going to take yeah, what? Because that's not what happens. I'm telling you right now, people don't go to 17 different pawn shops. I mean, but most likely they're like, yeah, fine. All right, I'll do it. 
most people don't have silver either. I mean, right now, the, the number of people in the in the U.S. who actually own some physical precious metals, I don't know what the percent is. Maybe, maybe five percent of people have some. It's, it's very low. I think that's probably going to change soon. But, but this is where I see. This is why, in, in regards for me, I just don't see if we go to the Thunderdome, if we go to this chaos, you people. You're what I'm trying to say is, don't think that that person who has the leverage is going to give you fair market value when you're in need and they're not. It's just not going to happen. That's it's just not. And correct me if I'm wrong. If you think let's try everybody in chat. If you think the world just went to the Thunderdome now. All right, everybody, the world's the Thunderdome. Okay. Do you think that the guy in the pawn shop, you walk in there with your two bits and you say, I would like fair market value for this two bits. Do you think he's going to give you fair market value or is he going to lowball the hell out of you? And to the point that you just give it to him for a crappy price. If you think I'm right, press one. Hmm. If you think I'm right, just press one that he's going to lowball and give you, I don't know. Let's say you got $50 worth if of silver. He that, he's going to create his own competition. He has no he's he's incentivized not to do that, not out of the goodness of his own heart, but because the market will create competition for him if he keeps doing that. Correct. And guess what? You don't think others will do the same thing. Anytime there's leverage one way, they're all going to do the same thing. Absolutely. Yes. That will create more people who are buying and selling silver. And that will mean the market will reach equilibrium and spot price. People will pay you spot for it. Spot is big. This is where the confusion lies. Spot is what they say spot is. Yeah, that's that gets into a whole other thing. The bank you know, cartel. So it's like, I'll pay you spot yeah. price. What's spot price right now? Ten dollars. Well, wait a minute. I bought this for twenty. Well, I don't want to tell you. Spot price is ten. Prove me wrong. Yeah. I, this is where the 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 problem now. Food is different. Well, we're going to get to a point one day where the spot price, when when the cartel that has manipulated precious metals for decades finally breaks, and it will break when this debt-based system comes down, spot price is going to whip so high to the upside, it's going to overcorrect. It's going to go so astronomically high. You won't be able to get gold and silver when that happens because nobody will be willing to sell it for any price because everybody will think it's just going to keep going up. Right. All going to come off the shelf. Nobody will be willing to sell it. That's when you want to be selling it. No, absolutely. And that's why I say for for investing, buy silver. Absolutely. But if you're buying it for the for the Thunderdome, buy food and meds. If you're buying it for the Thunderdome, buy food. Down to like a hyperinflationary scenario. Like I'm in a kind of a rural area. Like I Mm -hmm. could barter for food here. You know, like you know, if I got a farmer who's willing to trade me a half a cow for a couple ounces of silver or an ounce of gold. That's a pretty decent deal. And then, you know, I've avoided the tax man because I haven't had to trade it for dollars first. I've traded it for a cow. You know, good luck, IRS, figuring out the cow thing. Probably shouldn't talk about that on the Internet. I don't know. But... Way, to, way to go. Way yeah. to go. Now they're now entering that code. tax fraud on the Internet. That's now doing, yeah, they've now entered two cows for two coins into the tax code. I, I just, just got a both shadow banned. Yeah, ex- exactly. Way to go. <laughs> No, I, like I said, for me, I just don't see it happening. I just don't see if I'm a farmer, I'm not looking for your silver. I'm looking for something that's going to help me now at this point. Oh, now. You want to buy one of my, I got, I got 18 chickens in the backyard. You want to buy one of them for an ounce of silver? I'll take it. My daughter will never forgive me. She loves the birds, but 
Correct. Under today, under a society of today, not under a Thunderdome situation. Not a Thunderdome. I got a rooster, man. I'll, I'll keep cranking out. I'll start incubating eggs. I'll keep cranking out little ounces of silver. I like Chris's egg. plan. Chris is breeding chickens now, and he's he was gonna he's his plan is he's gonna trade a laying hen for an ounce of silver. I think that's pretty accurate. I mean, right now in dollars, that's somewhere around twenty bucks. A, a laying, laying hen, dude. I can't remember what I bought him for. Like five bucks. He's robbing. Well, that's when rob they're babies. When they're babies, you got to feed them and raise them for six months before they start laying. They don't take much to feed in the summertime. You just run them out there. They eat all the bugs and stuff. We put food out there. Well, if you have yeah. any left, because the hawks are going to eat them if you do that. Exactly. So hawks out here. I'm just telling you, if it goes Thunderdome, you, you, it, it ain't going to be. I ain't looking for your silver. Well, I mean, like, it's not going to be comfy, but you know, I, look, I lead is right next to gold and silver for this for a reason on the periodic table. You know, true. I, I like metal. Let's just put it that way. I like all kinds of metal. Yes, I would prefer much. I'd prefer lead. Uh, food, medicine. I don't need water. I'm good with there. But besides that, but then again, you know, I can eat trees and bark. I'm vegan. But that's all. Like I said, I was only gonna go. What, how long are we gone? I don't even know. Oh, it's down here somewhere. We're pushing. We're pushing an hour. Yeah, I was only gonna go an hour because I knew you wanted oh, to take. Did we, put a, did we put a? Oh, I see a lot of ones. Wow, I'm getting clobbered here, huh? I did not win the popular vote. No, I'm telling you. Let me, like I said, I, let me end this poll right I should have promised a windmill or solar panel. I would have got a lot of ones or a lot of twos. Uh, let's see what the poll. The poll went uh, silver, gold, something magical. Something magical won uh, the gold. And the something magical is going to be natural gas. It's going to be natural gas. It's going to be a dollar based on, uh, I'm sorry, uh, all using natural gas as the new petrodollar, basically. As the new thing, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll guarantee that. I'm, I'm gonna leave this here and see how this ages. But I see all odds pushing towards natural gas. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, we don't, but you know what I mean. I, I don't know if the natural gas trade will be as big as the oil trade is right now. I, I guess right now it is with what's going on with the Russians and the Russian supply being off the market. But to Europe, it's every bit as important. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I just see them pushing. Now, that's why, because what other reason would you push batteries and, and windmills, solar and windmills? What other reason you push? There's no reason. There's nobody can come up. Nobody. Everybody's agreeing that it can't happen. It won't happen. But if you're going to come up with a central banking system, there's going to, and then you do the central banking system, you're also going to want something to back that. And you're going to want, or not back it, but something to trade that in. And in my opinion, that's where natural gas comes in. And you push as many people onto natural gas when you're the largest supplier of natural gas. Slash LNG. You know what I'm talking about. It's easier for me to say natural gas. Yeah, well, I mean, if you look at who's funding a lot of these wind and solar alliances and, and you know, the Sierra Club and all these all these environmental organizations that are all about wind and solar and nothing else, it's natural gas that's funding a lot of them. Exactly. They pay for a lot of it. Chesapeake I Energy was one of the biggest financial supporters of the Sierra Club. Chesapeake Energy was one of the biggest natural gas companies in the U.S. Right. Not too long ago. And then that's where, and then the other thing is that then, okay, where does crypto fall? If crypto is the, uh, is the money of the peasants that, although that can be done on a, um, you know, you can obviously barter between people, right? That's an obvious thing, but it's not something that the government's going to not tax or find a way for them to put their hooks into it. How could they not? That's right. They can only, they can only tax it when, when it interacts with the dollar world, 
right? They they can tax it when you sell it for dollars. But if you if you buy stuff with it, like if you buy a car with Bitcoin, yeah, they're gonna have a hard time proving a cost basis, right? If if you buy Bitcoin for a hundred dollars in 2013 or whatever, and then you buy a Tesla with it now, mm-hmm. how are they gonna figure out the cost basis? I mean, maybe they can if you get audited. Probably based on the standard price of the Tesla, and then give you like a property tax on that. Yeah. Well, I always figured. I mean, I, I I buy Bitcoin a little bit all the time, you know, on a, on the regular. Uh, I'm getting clobbered right now, but I don't. I have a ten year horizon on Bitcoin. I, I don't plan on cashing out for until at least 2030. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always envision trading my Bitcoin for precious metals, and then trading my precious metals for cash in small denominations mm-hmm. when I needed it. You know, if not, just leaving it to my kids outright. I like to avoid any imperial entanglements, if you know what I mean. I just think, it, like, for me, there's it's it's actually fairly easy. Uh, if you go to buy something, there's a usually a base price for that something, right? And now they're all, like, basically with algorithms and everything else, they can say, well, the base price of this Tesla, I don't know, I don't have any idea, is $50,000. Yeah. And you're going to be paying taxes on $50,000, you're going to be paying a property tax on 50,000, right? I, yeah. I do that now. I take my car once a year. I go down to the town hall. I pay a ransom to keep my vehicle for another year. Um, I give them their ransom money and I, I basically hand that off. And from there it's, you know, they could easily do that. Uh, hang on. We got uh, a vet in crypto that is used by governments and corporations as carbon credits, carbon credits. Uh, Vetchain is a global and partnered with the UFC. Nowhere in the news. That's probably a question for you. Can you see that one on screen? Yeah. Is it an Ultimate Fighting Championships UFC? Like Dana White UFC? I don't know. That's interesting. VeChain. I'm not familiar with VeChain. You know, I don't. I don't touch a lot of the altcoins. It's uh. I mean, I, I buy Bitcoin and I, I used to mine Ethereum. I, I turned my Ethereum miner off because the uh, the power prices are now higher than the Ethereum my mine is worth. Plus, it's the summertime here. So, Mitch says, how do, you trade, how do you trade crypto with uh, without electricity? That's a good point. You don't. Well, look, look if, I mean, it, it, it'll if electricity be- goes away, folks, we have bigger problems than my crypto is gone. All Correct. Right? If the electric grid goes away, like most people are like, I'm going to hunt for deer. And Maybe. grow my own vegetables. Ninety-nine out of a hundred people will not survive in that environment. All right? right. So, all the people are like, you know, <laughs> what if the electric goes away and, and crypto's around? Understand, you're you'll probably be dead, and you won't live long enough to say I told you so. If that happens, all right. Like, people don't realize almost everybody dies in that scenario, crypto or not. I will live just long enough. I will get my power and internet running just to call Jack and say, I told you so. <laughs> this is before my death. Just to make sure that I mean, that's the last thing. You're talking no running water. Like most, most people don't realize, like you push that little handle on your toilet and it just goes away, right? Without electricity, that stuff starts to pile up. Trust me, you won't make it, right? Whether you have crypto or not or silver or not in that environment, no, you're not going to make it. Mm. Most people won't. Yes. Not, not to mention like the the bloodletting and the war and everything else. That's if you don't die of dysentery or starvation, you're gonna get caught up in a war or something. Yeah, that's so where like I said, doesn't for, come to that. 
for me, I see it as a person to person. I don't see it something that the government's going to want to just allow you just to, to use basically. I, I don't know. I mean, you can, I mean, I can easily swap, you know, go to somebody's house and trade, you know, rice for salt. Right. They can't stop that, but there's no way in my opinion, they're going to allow a currency to be exchanged. Um, without some type of tax on it. How do you pay for the military? How do you pay for different types of things without taxing it? You know, without having some type of, of tax base income in regards to, you know, money. Well, that's why they're trying to copy it with something that they can control. That's why they're trying to do CBDCs. They, they realize that their own shitty behavior, sorry for the language, I didn't mean to do it. Their own lousy behavior is why they're forcing people onto Bitcoin, right? The more they debase the currency, the more people will adopt it. And, you know, they realize that that's not going to stop. They have no intention of stopping their currency debasement. So they need to try to ban it. They need to try to outlaw it, copy it somehow. Uh, but the, the way the system works, they can't really ban it. It's the, if there's one place in the world left that still accepts it, then all of that value is going to flow to that place. So, you know, like El Salvador, they're struggling right now because price of bitcoin crashed but there's money flowing into el salvador right now like it never has before because it's a place in the world that they've said we welcome bitcoin it is now legal legal tender here if you deal in bitcoin we want to welcome you here whereas the united states is saying we want to ban you and tax you and track you and all these know your customer laws and everything else well that's going to create this natural flow of value out of the states mm -hmm. and into countries like el salvador and as long as there's one country that accepts it, that's where that money's going to go. Right. So as long as you're buying goods in El Salvador, because I have no idea what El Salvador is going to make for you, um, you're good to go. But if you try to bring that back here or any of those goods here, you're going to be paying, you know, tariffs on them and taxes on them and, and import taxes and things like that. Is that what you're trying to say? So I can't even buy my cars from El Salvador. What do they make? Do they even make cars? No, no. they don't make anything. They got they some great any. surf, though. Oh, that ain't going to help me. But I don't that said, um, like I said, I just wanted to kind of do this one. I wanted to go live a little bit because I needed to test my, the computer I got and see if everything worked. Uh, it didn't, but I got it fixed and it did. So I did go live. Uh, bring Jack on and tell him that, um, you know, the end of the world's coming unless he buys natural gas and that he's welcome to carry his silver around. But don't try to trade it with me uh, in, in the apocalypse. Watch uh, out for coyotes. And why? Yeah, like I said, because watch out for coyotes, because that's pretty much how I think that's going to go. And also and if Sage ever opens a coin shop. Don't go there. Yeah, don't go to Sage's coin business shop. Business is business is business, and guess what? Business people—they're not in business, you know, to not realize who's got the leverage and who doesn't have the leverage. Sorry. So, in an apocalypse type of situation, or even in a in an inflationary situation, hyperinflationary situation, if you're bringing me gold, uh, guess what? I'm, you know, or I'm silver. I'm sorry. If you're bringing me silver, that's probably you're at your last. I would think you're at your last. Hurrah! And next thing you know, you're gonna have to um, you're gonna have to leave with a very cheap money in exchange, or you can try to get gasoline that you can't afford and go to the next place. I don't know. Uh, oh, one minute before we leave. So uh, I mentioned an interview. I invest in chain, and the interviewer's eyes bugged out, and he seemed so unsure of how I had heard of it. Anyways, the company is UD Aero Defense Contractor. Uh, fight UF. It is the fight. It is the UFC. Yeah, that's what she said. It is that. Uh, I don't know. I'm gonna have to. Uh, she. I'll have to figure out which one she's talking about because uh, this is over my head at this point. I'm. I don't. I'm gonna have to text her and see which one she's so, talking. I'm. I'm not familiar with that project. But let me just say, when it when it comes to all coins, and I hate to lump them all together, 
But when it comes to coins that are not Bitcoin, all right, we have a term for them. They call them altcoins. I want to see a coin survive one or two Bitcoin cycles, this halving cycle, before I even consider investing in it. Having cycle, it's about four years long where the price of Bitcoin skyrockets, gets its blow off top, and then it crashes. It trades sideways for a couple of years, and then it skyrockets again. All right. Now, most of these coins that have come out since Bitcoin was invested have not lasted more than two cycles. They come out, they're the next big thing. Oh, this is going to replace Bitcoin. And then the cycle repeats and it crashes and it never comes back. Really, only Ethereum is the only one that has ever survived this cycle and come back bigger the next time, more than once or twice. Ethereum has done it three times now. You know, like Shiba Inu, I don't think Shiba Inu is going to be around four years from now. Doge, probably not. Right? A lot of these other coins. So, personally, this is just me talking. I want to see it survive several of these cycles before I even look at it. Because it's always the next biggest thing. It rallies 3,000% and then it crashes and it never comes back. I'm not saying that's going to happen to VeChain. But I wouldn't even look at something like that until 2024, 2028. So... Then what happens? Like, cause Dogecoin was even, it was a joke, right? When it was created, it wasn't even. Yeah, Dogecoin was started as a joke to prove that crypto people would buy anything. And now where's it at? Oh, now it's it's a fraction of what it was. Five but cents. It, but it went it, as high as 76. I mean. It, but it did it prove that people would buy anything? It sure did. It sure yes, did. Yes, it did. We call and, that. Oh, hey, chat. What do we call that when, uh, you know, people will almost believe anything? We, we have a special word for that. It's called hopium. Hopium. Nice. Hopium. It's the hopium hit of the Dogecoin. And then Shiba Inu came out and did the same thing. Like, oh, wow, here's a coin named after a dog that's meant as a joke and people are piling into it. Let's copy that. And then Shiba Inu, like, starts going all through the roof. And, of course, that's crashing now, so basically, we could call we can make a sage coin. Just say everybody should buy it. It's going to go to the roof. It's going to the moon, and people might actually. How do I do that? Tell me how I do that. You do that. Here's here's how you do it. All right. This, this is how these these altcoin scams work. Yeah. You yeah. Your coin. All right. You get some venture capitalists to bankroll you. Would you? Right? Would you, you give you a couple millions of dollars to build the infrastructure? Then you hire some influencers, yeah. right? Some Instagram models, one of the mm-hmm. Paul brothers, somebody with a big following. Say a couple of not quite financial advisors on YouTube or whatever. You get them to start pumping your coins value up. They lure people in. They start buying up the coin. The value goes up. And then Sage dumps all of his Sage coin. He he stops paying the influencers to promote it. Sage walks away with all the money. Without the new flow of investors and without the influencers pumping it, the value goes back down to zero. And all the people who bought it are wiped out. So most of these coins scams work. So we're halfway there. We've got influencers. Don't uh, buy Sagecoin. Uh, <laughs> oh. There, I covered myself. <laughs> oh. You know what? All right, Sage, I just tanked your crypto project before it got off the ground. Oh, I'm out. Let's go back to... Uh... <laughs> Damn. I can't believe you did that to me. Sorry, brother. Oh, I just, I just rug pulled your rug pull. You absolutely did. Absolutely did. Right to the camera, too. You looked right at the camera when saying it. I'm going to have to thank God this isn't live. I can edit that part out. All right. I'm going to end this one here. I'm done after that note, after being rug pulled, the greatest opportunity we had in YouTube. Um, 
It did blew it. Oh, here we go. She just won't stop. All right, what do we got here? Uh, U.S. Aero Defense vet is from 2015, partnered with Walmart, BMW, uh, IBM, Louis Vuitton, uh, and their smart contract tracking company. Okay, so if they started in 2015, then they are they are in their second cycle right now. So what do we have to wait so for? Two-thirds year? of the way there. Two-thirds of the way there. This is not financial the advice. Last, uh, the last Bitcoin halving was in 2020, and the one before that was in 2017. So okay. they're in their they're in their second cycle. Yeah. So this is not financial advice, uh, and we are not financial advisors. And I just got the rug ripped out from underneath me, anyways. So I can't even sell you my damn Sage coins. This has been a useful. This has been a complete waste of a life. Just kidding. All right, we're gonna end this one here. All right, Jack. Thanks for swinging in there. Say goodbye. All right, we're going to cut him out of here. I'm going to cut myself out of here. Let's play some outro music and uh, just, just we're going to cut it here. Thanks, for everybody, for swinging in here. Uh, make sure you watch for the new currency based on natural gas. Um, mark it down on your calendar and say that you heard it here first from Sage News Live. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Backstage here. <laughs> Look in my eyes, you seeing victory. We ain't taking L's. Death to our enemies. You see the drip on me, you cannot get with me. I'm you looking what? Sit back and watch me straight to the top. When we drop, you better join us. But we hot money in the bank. Yo, we ain't playing. You should have listened when we said we stay. We ain't going Into the jungle, 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 j